We got your phone tapped. What you gonna do? It's uh. about to go down. tuned in the phone tap a thought-provoking social commentary about all things that matter in our community here are brother muhammad fiasco in montana what's up y'all welcome to episode number five part two of the mental health discussion i go by brother muhammad we got fiasco in montana on the line and we got a special guest yusuf how you doing brother thank you thank you thank you thanks for having me on guys the pleasure is ours how you doing man I'm good, man. Trying to uh, stay occupied during these, uh, you know, lonely quarantine times. <laughs> How's it hitting you? This is the place to be, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything's online now, so I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. You, you're like you're kind of meeting people that you never would have met before. That's true, yeah, bro. All right, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, yeah, sure. My name is Youssef. Um, yeah, like I'm really interested in uh, psychology and mental health kind of issues and. Uh, you know, I had a background in psychology, I just have a degree in psychology, and I was a youth worker, still am. So I work in a group home with, uh, you know, different kinds of age groups that do deal with uh, clinical diagnosis. So they've been diagnosed and they've been uh, living in our group home, and that's how we work with them and, and deal with them. That's how I got interested in a lot of these issues. But uh, yeah, I'm Eritrean, and um, it's I, I, I've noticed that there is a similar you know, experience between, you know, Somalians and Ethiopians is pretty much identical, you know, seeing as how a lot of the things we got to go through are quite similar. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you just, if you look at it geo geographically, obviously from the same right. region, all refugees for more or less the same reason, um, whether it's civil war or fight for independence, you know, right. or just general internal strife. So we bring a lot of, you know, we, we bring a lot of baggage with us to these Western countries when we get here, right? It's not like, um, 100%. you know, someone, it's not like someone from Phil, the Philippines or I, I don't, not to pick on any other country where it's like, I'm just looking for a better life. But exactly. There isn't, exactly. There isn't truly baked in like trauma the way we, the way right. we have. And, uh, and that shapes us, that shapes our experiences here, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, that's some, again, it's like a lot of the things I'm interested in are just, it's really just personal and anecdotal. Like it's something I've lived or I've seen and, you know, and I've seen like people not being able to respond to these questions, you know, or, or these issues, or if they did, it was in a way that sometimes did more harm than good. You know what I mean? And I don't think we ever had, we didn't have a time to breathe and ask these bigger questions like because we were just busy trying to survive. Right. Is it fair to say that we're going to be looking at this episode with you uh, from the lens of the field of psychology, the, the debates that rage in, yeah, uh, in, yep, that, in yep. that field, the, 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 the push-pull between, you know, um, medical solutions and, and, yes. and so on, and then kind of tying it all together by saying, how, how are we as a community dealing with this? How do we educate ourselves? How do we... How do we solve the crisis? Is that for sure? Good, good for sure. Yeah. Of what's to come? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, um, I remember I was aware that you guys had that uh, the, the past guest and speaking on kind of the a broader issue or community kind of approach and what you know what the communities go through. Um, I guess specifically, what was interesting to me and what I would like to speak about is yeah, is the current current model, uh, which is called the medical model, 
And, um, and that's the current paradigm that pretty much the whole West is under. And, um, it, you know, it's, it's quite popular and, and many of our people are adopting it, which is, which is fine. And, but, but from my perspective, I just felt that it's not only my perspective today, actually it's, it's become quite common that people know there is somewhat of a, a turf war between psychology and psychiatry. So we can get into that difference. Right. And a, so a common slogan you'll often hear is that, you know, we need more hugs, less drugs. Right. And that shows you that, yeah, there, there are differences of mind here and, and, and there are differences of perspective and how that plays out in our lives is, is quite interesting. So, I mean, like, for example, like, you know, so the current model is mental illness, that mental illness is just that it is an illness, uh, which is comparable to, you know, diabetes, for example, or cancer, or leprosy, right? So these things are materialistically real. And, and they, they can be found whether through brain scans, or, you know, you know, kind of like neurological tests, or things like that. And th that would be against the that would be against the, the positions that I have and a lot of other, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers have, which is that, you know, mental illness is not necessarily an illness. However, it's, a, it's life problems. And, and to, to many, that sounds a little bit uh, facetious, right? Because it's like, what do you mean a life problem? Like, I'm suffering. And the whole, and one thing I would wanted to totally, uh, you know, emphasize is that nobody's saying the suffering isn't real. And nobody isn't saying, you know, no one's saying that um, what you're going through isn't, I mean, almost like, uh, like hell on earth, you know, it, no one is trying to demean what the experiences are. But if we really want to help each other, if we really want to get to the solutions, we have to kind of, you know, rightly describe them. We need proper descriptors. So what we, what I, what I would say, and a lot of people that I've read would say that it, it is it is it's best not to call it a, like an illness as in like a disease. And it's actually best to call it, say, you know, a life issue or, or part of the human condition. Now, that's not true with a lot of um, neurological issues, right? Like, for example, like seizures, that's a neurological issue, right? But what would you call someone who is uh, failing to adjust to society? Um, you know, his parents kicked him out the house and now he's, you know, drinking all day. We, I mean, I don't think... A lot of people like our grandparents, for example, would say that, oh, he has a brain problem or, you know, now he has a sort of chemical imbalance. I think a lot of them would say, you know, he's going through a hard time and he needs help. Right. Uh, what, do you guys, what do you guys think about that? Because I feel like I'm just kind of. No, I hear you. Um, I think the example you just use, I think people like that, they use it as like a coping mechanism. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, like I, I, I get the gist of it, though. I understand right. what you're trying to say. Yeah, and so, like, this can get academic, for example. So, in class, what really made me start thinking was a really interesting question. So, the professor was speaking on this issue of the philosophy of mind, and then he said, raise your hand if you feel that memories are in the brain. Almost everybody put their hand up. I, I didn't put my hand up, not because I just felt I was, like, you know, smarter than everybody. No, it was really just that's something I kind of thought about before. And when he came around and he said, so why don't you, well, why don't you put your hand up? I said that I don't think we can say that memories are in the brain because what he was asking and what people believe is that, yeah, your memories are actually in the brain. Like if we took your brain out and opened it up, your memory would be there in some sort of like a neuron, right? What he was really getting at is kind of an, is kind of a really a perennial question and a, 
kind of an ancient one. I bet even our peoples back home used to to talk about, especially if you come from spiritual background, and is what is the nature of who we are? Like, where are we located? You know, a lot of ancients used to think we're located in our stomachs. Or I know currently, you know, a lot of religions believe you're actually located in your heart, right? So, I mean, to say that the reason why you're suffering from a certain condition is because it's in your brain is just not justified. And, and when they're honest, a lot of the scientific or, uh, you know, psychiatric community will actually concede that point. But what they're saying is that as science progresses, eventually we'll find that to be, it is brain, it is your brain. And, and, and those issues are all found in the brain. To which would we reply is that, well, then that is a neurological issue. It is not a psychological issue. Psychology deals with behaviors and, you know, conditions that are non-neurological you know, or else they would be dealt with by a neurologist. So it seems a little simple, but really it is, it is kind of muddy out there. And it's important to be careful because there are consequences we can talk about later. Uh, like I was speaking with Fiasco many times. Of, if you believe that these are brain issues, then you, you will not feel, uh, you know, maybe defensive if some doctor wants to overprescribe your child who maybe is just a little excited in the classroom and a teacher just doesn't want to deal with it, right? So he gets a diagnosis and all of a sudden, you know, your child is being fed pills that, you know, I think in the long run can be detrimental to your health. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you and I have chatted about this, um, you know, off air and, and sort of it, uh, I guess it tells you where, where our heads are at, no pun intended, right. but, um, like, you know, you're, you're to your point about spirituality and, you know, I'll speak to, um, in Islam, I think it actually refutes a lot of what that medical model um, suggests, which is that everything is located in the brain. Because in Islam, the heart is more than just this beating muscle of blood. It it actually is is you know the source of of um, wellness. You know, if you're good, you have right. a good heart. If and, and and I think that, like you said, that is an ancient concept. Um, right. Right. I, I think I think it's why it's in our in our just daily, you know, language, right? Like, oh, he's got right, a good heart. Right. Why do we say he has a good heart if, if our memories and our beings are stored in our brain, right? I think that's exactly that's yeah. really that's really important to to consider. Um, yeah, no, no absolutely, that's, that's, absolutely. And that's part of the um, important term that I think most people need to be aware of is you know paradigm shift. Many people are familiar with that term, but what really happened here is that we had a a materialistic paradigm shift. And in that materialistic paradigm, the only way that they're able to explain things is through a reductionist medical model. So if we can't cut it out, if we can't blot it out, um, it doesn't exist. And, uh, you know, for me, as someone who comes from a religious background and comes from a, you know, one generation of, uh, you know, just where I'm just one generation away from people who, who saw the world differently on, on such a deep way. It's, it is quite jarring to see, such a reductionist way of, of handling things, right? And I think it irks and, and it bothers a lot of our people, but we don't know how to describe it, right? It's kind of like, I've seen a lot of my older like family members, they're just like, you know, they, they don't, they're just uncomfortable the way they speak about certain human conditions they feel are not, they, or should not be medicalized. You know, like a bad behavior is, is in a DSM would be diagnosed as oppositional defiant disorder, you know? Like my grandpa was just he's a bad kid, you know, he needs slap, he needs a good slap or something like that. Right? So. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So I guess to to lead into that, 
um, yeah. our our experiences and you know your personal experiences with the mental health um, you know paradigm. What are you hearing from parents? What are you hearing right. from loved ones? What what are some of the anecdotes that you can share that help explain, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, other than being intellectual curiosity, this is real, like this has real consequences. And sadly, you know, sometimes they're quite sad when you hear what's going on. And um, that's why I'm glad like you guys are doing this because we, you know, we need more education. So, uh, I mean, a quick anecdote would be, I'll give you two. I mean, the first one would be one with say a young child. And I've, this has happened where family friends have, you know, kind of inquired, you know, and asked my parents like, Hey, what are your kids? You know, cause we're a little bit older. We've kind of grown up here. So we kind of know how to navigate a little better than some of the newcomers. What do they think about Ritalin? What do they think about ADD? And, you know, my child, he just wants to play all day. And the teacher is saying that he needs to be on Ritalin. So, I mean, how that, ha- and how that played out was that the parents, they just felt this kind of fear and, uh, and, you know, they felt worried that the teacher was kind of dealing with their child a little bit um, facetiously and, and wasn't taking it too serious. And when she investigated and she started to ask, you know, certain actual MDs, like some medical doctors, there was a doctor who openly told her, do not give that to your child. And so she was shocked, right? I mean, this is the first time she, now she's witnessing what, what a lot of psych students know is that there is kind of a little bit of a turf war or there is a, uh, there, there are serious contentions between, you know, good people who mean well, you know, smart people who mean well, uh, disagree in a big way on really important issues, right? So, so what had ended up happening is that we kind of advised, I mean, just me and my family advised her also not to take it and not, not to give the kid really because what we try to do is show them that your your failure to see the complexity will lead you to make these you know very short-term myopic decisions uh what should and and what she failed to see is that well maybe the school's just not funded right you know if they had extra help maybe the child would be able to i don't know go and do a run or go and you know go play a game for a little bit before he calmed down this idea that we're all supposed to just be zoned in at the same time, 30 kids all at once. This is novel. This is novel. This is quite new. You know, why? Maybe it's a systemic issue. Why should it be that the child has a brain problem? I mean, I don't know. That, that, that gets me a little upset. So that's one issue. Uh, the second issue is something I saw with a lot of my friends. And it was really like what um, uh, you were saying earlier about um, Montana, what you're saying earlier about coping. And that was... And this one's tough because a lot of us, when we came here and we were trying to grow up, you know, and we were trying to adjust, some of us who didn't adjust as well for whatever reason uh, would start behaving in a way that I think a lot of people would just ridicule and laugh, you know, not want to go around and see anyone kind of withdrawing and into their you know, homes and, or, or, or start drinking or, or start saying things that are really odd, right? Um, this is another issue of, of, of also a medicalization of something like, you know, just adjusting to a new environment and how tough that can be. So the first thing that happened to this guy when he went through the system is they just threw pills at him, you know, antidepressants. Now, now anyone who, I mean, everybody trusts their doctor, right? Cause it's just such a 
pillar of a community, right? And, and, and they are, and they do a lot of great things. Um, however, I think that there are even at this level, doctors are even somewhat, um, you know, reticent to speak their mind because of how much power and influence corporations have. And we can get to that later, but how much influence and, and, and power that they have. Whereas, you know, as if a youth 19, 18 walks into a doctor's office saying, you know, he feels like lack of energy, uh, he's lethargic, apathetic, doesn't feel like he can work two days, you know, um, the doctor, first thing he would do is give him antidepressants. So what happens is that the, the guy, the patient thinks, oh, okay, this is just, you know, some sort of chemical imbalance. I just take these pills and hopefully I'll feel better. When really what I believe it's doing is just masking the issues. You're, you're putting, you're putting bandages on a, a sinking ship as it were, because you're not dealing with the actual deeper issues, which could be what, which could be, you know, you are isolated. Your body is trying to tell you, hey, you need to be part of something bigger. You need to be around people, right? Maybe you need to move. Maybe you need to get out of the program you're in, right? A school program, which is in a, which cause a lot of, a lot of anxiety for people who don't, don't necessarily want to be doing things that they feel that they have to, right? And uh, I would say the biggest one I've witnessed, especially in immigrant communities, would be, uh, would be our, actually a lot of our parents who, who, who mean well, but have fallen for this kind of uh, careerist attitude when they come to North America. And I can say that I've seen it, I've seen it break friends of mine who were really bright guys and had good heads on their shoulders, but, but were just kind of coerced into, you know, career tracks that they had no interest in whatsoever. And because of, yeah, go ahead. I'm I'm, going to quickly jump in just to say that, like, that almost feels like, um, that has to be its own episode because that, <laughs> yeah, that, right. you know, that is such a serious underlying problem in our community. It is, it is, yeah, Everybody's sure. a victim of it. If you're not a doctor, if you're not a lawyer, if you're not an engineer, you ain't shit. And it's just, right. I think that has done so much idolatry. Yeah. And it's like, it's in a weird way. It's like, even if you do achieve that, and we have some brilliant, you know, Somali and, and Eritrean East African doctors, we have brilliant yep, yep. East African engineers. We love our engineering, um, just building things. But it's like, even when you do achieve that, I, and I don't want to speak for these people, but it's like, I don't know that that brings you in itself satisfaction and joy. Sure, you accomplish something, but that is just, that's just a, a, I don't know, that's a material success. And I don't think we spend enough time thinking about like our actual you know, oh, mental absolutely, absolutely. wellness, you know, as it relates to careerism, I, I will well, speak, I will speak freely on this. I've been a victim of that. I, <laughs> you know, you right. know, I've just been like so many family members, did you finish school? You know? And it's like that phrase <laughs> just had, just had this stigma for me. And it's like, when I heard yeah, that, cool. I cringe. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. It's funny you say that because you're right. Like the standard, uh, even as children, like we know, like, all the prominent careers like doctor, lawyer, engineer, right? But if somebody says, like, if you tell a Somali mom or dad, oh, I'm becoming a plumber, it's a very rewarding career. But the first thing you're going to be like is, hara, hara. You know I mean? I'll just it. But yeah, it's very funny. That, it's, it's very funny that you say that. Like, they definitely put limitations on, 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 uh, on, on the children from an early age. You know what I mean? Right. right. You put that one, like, that one like they have a specific mindset when it comes to that so i i i 100 i i understand what you guys are saying 
It's not healthy. Oh, it's not healthy. Oh, it's, and, it, and, 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 sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and it, it, it passes on, right? Because if, if that kid grows up and they have this lack of self-worth because their parents didn't approve of what they became, um, guess what? You know, we talked about this in the last episode. It's generational trauma. Now they're going to pass it down you, to their kids. You nailed, okay, bro, that actually, if I was going to give you guys one example of mental health issues in Eritrean or Eritrean or Habesha communities, I'm, I'm sure it's similar with Somalian, it would actually be that careerist issue. But like you said, that is that, that could be a show on its own. But I'll just give you like a quick little thing. Like you should not be in, in any program if you're in there for 10 years, you know? There are people I know who are still in, in like an engineering program who had no business in there. And the only reason they're in there is because of their parents. So I actually have a lot of uh, criticism for parents. I don't want to offend any of you guys, but I mean, I'll straight up, I've said it, I think. Please uh, speak your mind. I, yeah, I've said it indirectly. Like, you guys have, are destroying your kids, period. You're destroying them. Is it worth it? Is it worth being called doctor, doctor? You know, in our community, they, you know, you're, you're like, if your name is uh, Fiasco, they'll call you Dr. Fiasco. That's just, that's just like cool. That's just how it is. And I understand what, you know, when we come from a place of, of have nots, right. And then you seem to have everything here. Um, I understand their desire for that, but I think they've been blinded by a lot of um, careerism as idolatry. It has become what gives their family, you know, prominence or pride. And the, and the problem is a lot of them are willing to sacrifice their own children for that, for that, for that sake. And, you know, it's so sad when you see these kids and they, and they don't want to be seen anymore. They don't want anyone talking to them. They just feel so ashamed. Right. And I felt, wow, that's, that's such a powerful motivator. And, and it's so, it's so sad to see someone almost have like, you know, we're talking about mental health in a way, almost like a death, kind of like a, a, a death of, of the, of their person, you know? It's very serious. It's very serious. And, and, it, and I've seen it in the Aristotle community much too often. And I've, I've always, always come out thinking, you know, you know the, the parents cared more about their grades than their kids' mental health. That's, a, that's so well said. I think that's a really good um, way to kind of wrap that up. I've, I will add, you know, you talked about how um, it's, it's always a, a warning sign and it's a telltale sign that uh, somebody is in an engineering program for 10 years. And you know what another, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know what another telltale sign is? Somebody yeah. is, is on their fifth uh, program post, post-secondary. If you right. are jumping from, you know, faculty to faculty, then that is also a sign that like, now maybe you just love learning and you're curious. Right. I don't wanna, right. I don't want to disparage, but I'm also willing to bet that it's, it's because there are outside forces, most likely parents that are driving you and right. we definitely don't deal with that enough. We definitely don't as parents. I don't know. I'm hopeful that we, our generation, you know, millennials, more so probably Gen Z, I'm hopeful that we're going to do a better job as parents because we're not, we don't have that old mindset of, you know, doctor and engineer, but man, it is, it's not, you're failing as a parent. Um, if, yeah, if you're, yeah. you know, if, if your son or daughter is just, flailing you know from one program to another and dragging it out and just Bro, i think it's i think it's abuse even i go that far especially if it's intentional because i understand the parents wanting the best for their kids that that's that's understandable but if they're seeing past that and and 
they know what they're doing and they see the consequence. I, I would almost say that's abuse. One of my dad's best friends in Eritrea, when my dad was growing up, his, his, so one of his best friends, um, his dad was a very prominent chemist and everybody knew him in the town. And he told his son, you got to be like a professor of chemistry, you know? And he pushed him and pushed him so much that one day he just hung himself right in their living room. And, you know, my dad said he was such a brilliant kid, had such a promising future, and he just took his life. And so, and, you know, just to quickly tie it in with what I was saying earlier, it, would anybody in their right mind say, oh, he had a chemical imbalance. That's why he killed himself. No, that's silly. It's, it's masking a deeper issue. Sometimes parents and even communities would rather hide, right? Maybe a failure, a failure of parenting. You know, that's a lot more embarrassing than, oh, it's just a chemical imbalance. He just caught, he just caught depression. Like it was just flown around like a flu or something, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is, man. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't talk about it enough. Like I said, I almost feel this, these last 10 minutes could be something we can just flush out further. Right. Right. (laughs) Everybody's got a, everybody's got a million stories and you know, whether it's you personally or someone close to you, it's just, yeah. Just to go it, back it, to the uh, just to go back to the medication and medicating a child, you know, like right. this is just my opinion. Just for yep. me, I'm so against medicating a child, you know. So, and I feel like medicating a child is yep. a lazy way out. Um, yep. But I get it. Schools sometimes are not well equipped or well funded to handle these kind of things, and parents don't take the second opinion from doctors or from family members or from the community. You know, like I like that. Right. The example that you made, where the parent actually got a second opinion and went That's to right. Yeah. A lot of times, the parents don't get a second opinion. You know, because they think that if the teacher or the doctor is saying that I should do it, then I'm going to do it. You know, it's very sad, but, you know, true in our community. Yeah, I, I, honestly, that, that one is the most tragic to me because, you know, the kids deserve better. And, you know, I understand that our, a lot of our parents or first newcomers, they're very trusting. I, maybe you guys have noticed that too, as well, right? They're very trusting of authority uh, in the sense, in the Western authorities, the doctors, the teachers, and we have the utmost respect for teachers. You know, we get mad at our kids or, you know, the young people, if they disrespect the teachers, whereas I noticed with a lot of like fourth, fifth, you know, sixth generation Canadians or European Canadians, you know, they're very critical. They're always asking questions. They're getting third opinions, not second. They're getting fourth, fifth opinions. They're disagreeing with doctors, you know? I mean, that's unheard of in our community. If the doctor tells you, you know, don't eat for a month, most of them would die of starvation. Like, because we have so much trust in, in, in the medical field and, and rightfully so. Right. But that's why it's, you, you have to be more nuanced. And I think when, when you really, it, you know, a good doctor would tell you to educate yourself. And, and that's what the, the good doctors I've spoken to. And, and thankfully a lot of our generation, those doctors are really good at that. They're really good at telling you, Hey, go educate yourself. It's, it's controversial. And then come to me and then we can, we can work it out. But I think the onus is a lot on like people like us, you know, like you guys, you know, bright guys who care about your community, right? We're not in it for the money. Like I'm not, this is not, it has nothing to do with any kind of careerism with me. It's like, I've seen that in sadly in the West, there is a eugenic mindset to a lot of the people who, who live here, who created these, who, who, you know, created the countries and, and they don't really care about people who look like us so if if they don't care who's going to care for them you know it has to be us you know that's something i talk about with fiasco a lot so yeah man and 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 i i will just you know like you said a lot of doctors 
most doctors mean well. You know, <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm putting my uh, not all cops are bad tone on. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you're right. Matter. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> all doctors matter, but there is, and you know, we can we can touch on this lightly, not to get too political, but there is a feeling that doctors are not putting their patients' interests truly. Uh, first, and that there are other forces at play. And, you know, we can call it what it is. I think you just kind of mentioned it earlier. Corporate interests, right? And, yeah, and just, yeah. just like everything else, it's always about following the money. To be honest, I've had medications that have probably saved my life, right? So I've had doctors who saved my mom's life, my parents' life, right? Like most people, right? Yeah. And so and so, like, that's the last thing I would do. It's not about ripping people down or anything like that. I definitely think that we're, we're seeing a growing of, you know, kind of a corporate interest superseding, you know, the public. And, and that's what it is. It's they're kind of stuck in the system as much as we are. So we have to be sensitive to that. It's not, you know, you, you, you're going to get nowhere if you, if you try to, uh, you know, rip people down, calling them idiots or, or it, it's really you, you need to play the game because they're playing it as well. And they want. They want that freedom to, to educate the patient as well. I really believe that. I think most people get into medicine because they really want to help people. I, I, I'm not a cynic, you know. I believe most lawyers, they want to get into law because they want to help the public uh, that can't afford legal services. But the issue is when you, when you take loans and, they're, and you got that weight on your shoulder, I mean, the only people who are paying you out to, you know, get rid of those loans is like the corporate, corporate law, right? So this is the same kind of trap that happens with, I think, a lot of medical students. And I'm speaking just from people I've spoken to, right? It's nothing, no, no study here, but that's just what I see. So it's really the onus is on us, right? We shouldn't, it's not the blame game. The onus should be on us. We should educate ourselves and our community. We should, we should you know, be critical of things. Yeah, and, it, you know, we always, we always laugh at those commercials. Um, you know, ask your doctor if Cialis is right for you, you know, or, or whatever, whatever the drug may be. But it's almost like we have to maybe, I don't know, flip that a little bit. And it's not about asking our doctor if, if a medication is right for us, but it's asking, you know, our other trusted members of our society, you know, and, and I think religion has a role to play. I mean, I'll just share this with you. I know you're going to hear the episode, but in our last episode, right. we talked about you know, why our religious institutions are coming up short when it comes to mental health and why right. they're not, like, why we're not taking these ancient teachings. You know, trauma has always been trauma. That's not a 21st century or 20th century problem. So there was ways to address trauma and to tackle, not address it, sorry, but to, to tackle it and deal with it and heal from it, you know, that are thousands of years old. Why can't we apply those problems, those solutions to these modern problems. I think, I think religious institutions have a huge role to play. And I don't know, if we could find more, if we could find more, you know, Eritrean, Somali, Muslim, Christian, you know, psychologists, those are, those are probably the right people, you know, uh, to, to, to reach out to because they can apply both the religious text right. and, you know, modern, modern science and then go, you know what? No, you shouldn't give your kid Ritalin. He is just very active and you actually should apply that activity to something. You should apply it to sports or you should apply exactly. it to, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. yeah, just zombie, zombifying your kids is not the answer. Yeah. No, it's no. so yeah. frustrating to see that. 
But just a quick note, it is actually illegal, I think, in the UK to give kids Ritalin under 18, right? So this is not just, I think North America really suffers from that kind of corporate invasion, right? And I think the, I think we're waking up to it. A lot of people are starting to ask, like, you know, hey, man, where's the, where's the government here? Where's the public defenders, right? So, like, you know, Nader's Raiders, you know, the seatbelt kind of idea, right? Like, you know, we have to come up with the seatbelt. It's like people are dying here, right? So the people who fear have a higher, higher principle, right? They're the ones that I've noticed that come out really, really caring and come out with the truth, you know? We're in that phase of our lives. I think generationally, we're all in the same generation. We're in that phase of our lives where we were either, you know, new parents or recent parents or our soon to be parents. So what advice would you have for, you know, maybe not so much our, our, our parents' generation, um, but actually us as parents of, of kids that are growing or, you know, unborn kids, what, what would you, what would your message to, to us be then? Oh yeah, yeah. So, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe some of you guys are fathers, but I don't have any children, but if I did, I would really, uh, I would really talk to as much teachers as I could about how, how do they define or how do they feel about being you know, under, understaffed or underfunded where they feel they have to, you know, maybe inquire into a child's hyperactivity or, or, or things like that. What I mean to say is I wouldn't, I would get, I would try to look at the bigger picture uh, in the sense of maybe even politically of, of how do I get involved to help these teachers instead of making this, this kind of a, you know, this kind of dialectic between us and the teachers and like, they should be our allies, right? They, they're not the enemy. They're, they're our, they're teaching our kids, right? Um, so I would really get involved in that in the bigger picture. But in the immediate sense, oh, yeah, I, I would totally just read. Um, there's a lot of literature out, like, people can read. And, again, these books are, uh, I mean, you can read them, but they're a little bit controversial. But, you know, like a Thomas Zaz, he has a book called The Myth of Mental Illness. It's very controversial. But, there's a, you know, grad students are required to read some of his writing because he, he speaks about these critical issues. Also, uh, yeah, speak, just speak. I don't know. I just go and speak to professors speak to maybe Somalians that are in the community. I remember Fiasco, you said you that, you know, you had, you had friends that were, you know, Somalians who were clinical mental health workers and maybe just ask them, can you explain to me what is, what are these issues? Read about the DSM for sure. Really, really it's just educating yourself, you know, and if you educate yourself, that is almost like the best thing you can do. Cause I don't think right now that, I mean, we're just like, we're the first generation of Eritreans that is growing up in Canada, right? So we're not there to uh, really have that defense politically yet, but you educating yourself and others is the best thing you can do, right? And there's a lot of literature out. There's no reason to not know today. Yeah. Just like every other issue and every other topic of discussion, it it, it always boils down to really just being informed, reading up on things educating yourself, keeping an open mind, right? Like being willing to have your opinion changed on things, right? Like if you believe this a year from now, something definitive comes that completely refutes that and says, yeah. no, that this is yeah. wrong. We're actually looking at it wrong. You need to be willing to adapt. You need to be willing to, to, to change, I guess. Right. So, Oh yeah. It's, it's um, a smoking analogy, right? So, I mean, there were doctors prescribing smoking, and then later on, you know, came out and said it, it's actually not very good for you. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's having that healthy uh, trust, but also 
being circumspect of certain pushes or or uh, kind of um, you know dealings of people in a quick manner and 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 an unequal manner because we know if you go to the richer neighborhoods they're not so quick to diagnose and and throw medications at young kids totally yeah we're yeah. we're on the attack in you know in the literal sense with obviously all this the police brutality discussions but also just in our our mental well-being so it's it's important that we stay we stay vigilant right any yes, any yes. last thoughts anything uh, anything else before we wrap up here anything you feel that we we should touch on as it pertains uh, to mental health no not necessarily uh definitely just look at even go on youtube i mean it's 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 out there there's a lot of people talking about it uh and just you know keep doing what you guys are doing given that platform to let a lot of this stuff get out there and reach the right people so yeah thanks again for having me on appreciate it man last question uh godfather yeah. one two or three <laughs> a number three what? You see, this is why we have to hang number up three. What? Yeah, fiasco knows. Fiasco. No, <laughs> it's yeah, a whole thing. Sorry. It's okay, a whole we're gonna bring you on. Guy. We're gonna bring you on in the come that's movie a, that's episode. That's a whole other show. That's another show. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring you on the movie episode. That's come on three. What? <laughs> this is yeah. this is the, hey, this is the wildest. <laughs> this is the wildest contrarian opinion ever. I, I, it always <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> Every time I'm out, they pull me back in, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, uh, we really appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on and. Uh, giving us something to chew on, something to think about because, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's real. Out I here. appreciate it, man. Thank you guys. Uh, you guys are doing good things, man. I'm excited for you guys. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I hope you guys do well. I appreciate Thank it. You, sir. appreciate it. All right, gentlemen, that's it for, for this episode. I go by brother Muhammad. Yasko. For Montana. And we appreciate our guest, brother Yusuf. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you for having on sharing your insight, bro. We really appreciate it. Oh, me much. Yeah, you guys too, man. I really appreciate you having me on. All right, guys. Take care. Peace. Thanks for listening. Join the conversation. Hit us up at Phone Tap Pod. That's Phone Tap P O D on all social media platforms. Mm-hmm.